Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com and welcome to the third episode of this uh, series on blockchain technology. And again, the idea behind this is not going to is to give you a primer on sort of like how blockchain technology works and and sort of just the, the whole environment and ecosystem. So in this episode, we're going to talk about like consensus algorithms. So this is again proof of stake, proof of work, all these proof of this and that. At the end of the day, for the most part, I would say most blockchains are going to fall into either proof of work or proof of stake, although there's some other ideas out there. Now the original, so going back to the original blockchain, Bitcoin, Bitcoin works with what's called proof of work. The idea was how to determine who gets the next block in some sort of equitable way. So the way to kind of imagine it is imagine that the, the block Okay, the next page in the ledger is locked with like a lock in a treasure box. And basically that inside that treasure box is the next page in the ledger along with, let's say, 20 Bitcoin. Whoever guesses and can un figure out the combination to that lock first gets what's in the treasure chest. That's essentially how this works. Okay, now the thing is that that basically that code that... Um, yeah, basically the, 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 the combination to the lock is pretty complicated. It's like, you know, a hashed sort of encrypted algorithm. Okay, this is where the cryptography really kind of comes in because you have to get the right number and depending on how the level of difficulty, it could take a while for a computer to kind of guess the right combination. Um, and then what happens is that the blockchain can be designed to target a certain amount of time between transactions. So what happens is that as new blocks get created, it's going to take a look at the time between blocks. And if it's longer than its target, like if it take, it's taking longer, it will reduce the difficulty to speed it up. And if it takes way shorter than it, if the blocks are being generated faster than it wants, it will then raise the difficulty of the next hash to, um, no, raise difficulty of the next block to 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 do that. Okay. To so that way it slows down the whole process. So and that's kind of how Bitcoin works. Okay, I think it targets like, or at least it used to target like two minutes per block. So if transactions were going like, if blocks were being generated faster than two minutes, the difficulty would go up. If it was being generated slower than two minutes, and then the difficulty would go down. Okay, and that's how it kind of balanced things out. Okay. And the thing is, as the difficulty goes up, that means your computer has to like keep guessing the password, guessing like this combination, um, and that takes computing power. So this is where the whole like, where you hear stories about Bitcoin using up a lot of electricity, because people who validate Bitcoin transactions or other proof of work blockchain transactions, they're not just having their computer on validating transactions, but their computers are also busy guessing this combination. Okay, and that just takes a lot. And then the thing is that they want to try to do it fast as possible and try to get as many guesses per second as possible and you'll hear this term hash per second or their hashing power okay just think of a hash as like a guess okay so the more hashes per second the more hashing power the faster you can guess these combinations which means the likelihood of you unlocking the next block is higher so that's sort of like the terminology and like the thought process with with proof of work and there's all sorts of different variations of proof of work ones that are like hey, you have to use like a, a graphical, um, a GPU 
chip, which is why like Nvidia like just kept selling out like its graphics cards and stuff. That's a not like your normal CPU chips that are in every computer, but these are like the ones that you use to like play video games and stuff like that. Ones that try to control for that. There's also the different variations of the story. Okay, so that's just the general idea of it. Different blockchains implement proof of work in different ways. The other really popular alternative and probably where like a lot of blockchains are going to now is called proof of stake. Now, proof of stake, the idea is they do just a random selection between people who are validators. So all the validators who are out there validating, a random one of you is gonna get picked every time a new block gets generated. So now what happens is that it's gonna be based on how much of the actual token you own. So in this case, uh, for example, Waves. Waves is a, a blockchain that I like to follow. And Waves has delegated proof of stake. So what happens is like, like okay, you set up a node, uh, you, so you're validating transactions, but the more currency that is in your node's wallet, okay, the the likelier think of think of each think of each like currency as a lottery ticket. So this is more like a lottery. You're just being chosen randomly, um, and you increase your odds by holding more of the currency. And the way this works is that you can share the rewards. So, in proof of work, people would actually combine their computing power to create what's called like a mining pool. Because hey. If everybody's guessing the passwords and we share the rewards, if one of us gets it, then we all are likely to make more money. In proof of stake, people will delegate their currency. So they'll, what they'll do is they'll stake their currency to an existing node who's, who's, who's staking. So there'll be some node that already exists. And I say, hey, you know what? I have 100 waves. Okay, I will commit my 100 waves to your node because, again, who, nodes are the validators. And they're the ones who get the rewards. But because I am committing my 100 waves, to the node, their odds have gone up on them getting rewards down the road. So in that case, by staking my currency, I might get a higher return because, and if everyone stakes their currency at the same node, everyone gets a higher return because the probability of winning more of these transactions uh, happens more and more. So that's how staking works. Um, the benefits of staking is that it doesn't require your computer to crunch numbers. So there's not really as much electricity consumption. So there isn't the environmental impact. Um, some of, always some of the downside with all of these issues is, is just that basically um, there's a lot of power, there's a lot of benefit to working together. So like in, in proof of work, you might just end up with sort of like, you'll have a lot of little mine, minor miners, like like small time miners who do, maybe they, they mine a, a block here and there. But then you'll have all these sort of really big mining groups uh, that do that mine a lot of the blocks and provide a lot of the hashing power. And same thing in proof of stake. You might have some of these really large nodes that everyone's kind of delegated their currency to, and they might be winning most of the rewards. Okay, so it does kind of get a little less decentralized over time per se, but there's different ways of managing that. Um, then there's like things like some other minor experiments like proof of burn where basically you win rewards by by actually like destroying tokens. So what you do is you actually commit tokens to be destroyed and that increases your odds. There is like proof of velocity, which is like, it's based on how much currency you spent. So the more you spend, the more likely you are going to win a block, which again, that encourages sort of it being used more as a currency. 
And I don't know exactly how successful or unsuccessful some of these alternatives have been, but I know like proof of stake and proof of work are what you see most of the time. So those are sort of the, the most popular ways of doing things. So that's a thing. Okay, so that's this week's episode. Um, next week, let's start kind of talking about, um, you know, the, let's say, blockchain 2.0 and start talking about like things like uh, decentralized applications, going beyond just cryptocurrencies on the ledger, and just sort of like where things have been and are still going. So I'll see you all in the next podcast episode, and I'll see you guys there.